I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me are my two lovely and talented co-hosts mr carl duty yes fangirl nation like the jedi like the king like batman i have returned <laughs> and also, uh, not the least of which we have with us, Mr. Eric Smith. Hi, everyone. I don't need to return. I'm always here. He's always here. He never leaves. Um, <laughs> he moved in a while ago. So, <laughs> so we're very happy to have Carl back. And we have a ton of TV shows to go over because we not only have Lucifer now, X-Files, iZombie came back. Yay! Mm-hmm. Legends of Tomorrow happened. Arrow and The Flash. Um, and we actually have a big old news announcement that happened today, I think, which was the Supergirl Flash crossover is going to happen, which I am in awe of. That's pretty fantastic. I'm still kind of surprised how in awe of it you are. I mean, it's, I've, it's definitely something that is unique. I'm not denying that, but I mean, like like you and I discussed earlier, these are uh, two networks competing against Marvel, and all boils down to kind of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's really the only way this would happen, though, because you've got a, um, a network like the CW, which I, I don't want to call it a cable network, but it's an you know it's a an upstart <laughs> network. Um, and then you have the old tried and true CBS who hates these guys usually and doesn't want to play nice, but you're right. It's a, one of those things where we have to, um, battle it out against the, the Marvel universe, which is ABC. And that's, that's where this is gone, you know? Um, and, and with this, we kind of have a confirmation that there is a quote unquote Berlanti verse out there, uh, that, this like Berlanti started Arrow, he started Flash, he started Supergirl, and now the we have confirmation these are all existing within the same world. Well, I'm thinking it's going to be a multiverse thing. That that Flash and Supergirl are not actually in the same universe. He just happens to run through and and discovers it. Since like- they've already established on Flash that there are different that that there is a multiverse. Um, that's a very real possibility. I hope that's not the case. I hope they just say, "Yeah, this is this is all one one big 
shindig. But well, I, I mean, again, that's that's very real, and that would make sense within the storytelling that they have been doing. Well, it, but makes, thought... it makes it makes sense when when they have a different Flash in the Justice League movies. Well, there's that too, yeah. But I thought they established early, like in the first episode of Supergirl, that they were that Superman was basically the only hero there. Not, not they weren't. They didn't say the only one. They acknowledged that he's there, um, but I would I'd be very much surprised if they said that you know it was a, a Superman only world. That's that's the impression I got. But hey, sometimes I'm incorrect. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with it and what actually inspires it to happen and if they do a team up and how it will play out. I'm just I'm I'm curious. It, it's pretty cool. I'm. I, I, it just hasn't happened in a long time. I think the last time we had anything like this, um, other, you know, and, and Carl had brought up when we were talking about it, the whole Constantine Arrow thing. But at that time, Constantine has already been canceled and has right. been for months. Um, but I think the only time we've had this happen with a genre show like this was with Buffy and Angel. Buffy and Angel. And but they were on. Were they on? They weren't on the same network anymore at that point. Were they? Or, no. They were no longer on the same network. See, and so this is the only thing that is really, um, this is the only one that is really comparable to that. So that this is pretty cool. Well, the one thing it makes me think of is uh, Richard Belzer's character Munch from <laughs> well, Homicide and then uh, Law and Order SVU, who I think still holds the record for appearing on more TV shows. <laughs> More different TV well, shows. How many, and he went across networks. How many Law and Orders were there? You know, it's it, that's funny. Oh, so yeah, because no, he, he was, was in all... X Files. He was in right. the X Files. That's he was right. on the X Files. He's been in, I swear, it's like thir- that character played by him has been in, I think, like 13 different shows. Hey, I'm surprised he's not been on Star Trek. Was he on the... Star Trek? <laughs> I don't think Munch was ever on Star Trek. I, I wouldn't but, doubt uh, it. <laughs> but, uh, like I say, it wasn't always on the same network, so right. they did have a little bit of network crossover. Yeah, but yeah, it, that, this is it, to me. This is really cool. I, I'm, it's I, pretty I, major, and it's yeah. kind of cool, and it might make Supergirl good for once. <laughs> There's a lot of anger here. <laughs> I, I'm um, sorry, Eric. Are you disappointed that we have a super show where the hero does not kill people in cold blood and lay waste to cities? It has it, nothing to do with that. that. It's is there, too, or, there too much color in it for you that has nothing to do with it either it's all the 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 horrible tropes and lazy storytelling there are some good points to it they're trying to make it like flash with all the little easter eggs and all the little characters and everything but it's just so everything just uh it's just wrong well I'm gonna. I'm going to break you two up by talking about <laughs> something. I hope we can all agree was freaking awesome, and that was the latest X Files episode, because we want to talk about Easter eggs and and <laughs> awesome stuff being brought into play. I have to say that Mulder and Scully meet the Were Monster is probably one of the best X Files episodes ever. I just, in terms of the story, in terms of how much fun it was. The fact that, and it's funny, there was a site, and I can't remember which one, I think it was io9 maybe, and the gal that was writing it was listing off all of the 
Easter egg jokes in 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 jokes and Easter eggs within the episode, and the most glaring one she didn't even talk about, and that was the outfit. <laughs> I mean, really, really. This is, this is my favorite kind of X Files episode. You know, it's lighthearted. It reminded me um, of the one where Mulder and Scully. I can't remember the name of it, but it was the one with um, uh, the Wilson brother. And it, you got to see it from each of their perspectives. And, and in right. Scully's, he was gorgeous. And in Mulder's, he had like buck teeth and stuff. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. And um, and we got a little bit of that when the monster is telling his story. And then he makes up the little part at the end I, with I, Scully. I swear to God, Rice uh, Darby did the episode for free just so he could have that scene. Yeah, I honest to God, I mean, how many fanboys out there and some fangirls were like, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the one the one Easter egg that really really stood out to me just kind of slapped me in the face was the Kim Manners uh, tombstone. Yeah, and they didn't hide. You know, there was no hiding that at all. And mm -hmm. I, I guess that was a a a, a thing he said a lot. Um, which is like right, and, right. I'd heard that. Yeah, and it was actually the years I think that he was alive too on mm -hmm. there. I mean, the whole thing that was a big love letter. And yeah, it, I thought that was nice. And it, Darren Morgan is just—he's so good with these characters, and and I like the fact. I love the fact that the episode, even though it was fun and and hilarious and goofy, but at the center of it was a really sweet g deep message um which you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's crazy but it's it's true and um you couldn't have really done it with rice darby is such a good actor and and funny and sweet and i loved him in flight of the concords and of course this isn't the first time he's played a monster who's changed back to a man he you know he was in um what we do in the shadows as one of the werewolves not swearwolves and he he's just i'm so happy they're giving them their own movie by the way um but i just i really thought it was so well done and it was such a return to form for the show and the the, the repartee between uh Mulder and scully i love the scene where he he goes into her motel room to talk to her and he's like i know what you're gonna say you're gonna say this to which i respond <laughs> this but uh, then you would say this he basically has the whole conversation himself and she just looks at him like, this is how I like my Mulder. <laughs> Good boy. <laughs> you know? And I like, the, I thought it was funny, too, that they had this shot of him in bed and he's wearing that red underwear because everybody oh. knows the red <laughs> underwear. Oh, my God. Yeah, I I loved this. Up. Definitely my favorite of these first three. Oh, yeah. No, well, I, I, and I think they've gotten better. I liked the second one more than the first, and I like this one very much we'll see where the the next three go yeah well i think that they have proven that they have enough of a fan base still which is still huge and they're knocking the numbers to out of the park with with them that i am pretty sure we're going to get another run of episodes of this mm -hmm. and and you know they have a lot to make up for with that second movie well, as I said last week, I've, I've not seen either one of the movies. The first movie is good, but the second movie doesn't Which exist. one has the bees? That's the first one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the first one. Actually, funny funny fact, 
I saw the first X-Files movie the night before my wedding. Nice. Yeah, that was what we did. And um, right afterward, we um, parted ways because you can't see the bride after midnight. So, yeah. Uh, but I do have to say, I, I was funny, um, too, in this episode, the, the huffing paint. <laughs> Tyler the, Levine. Tyler Levine. And just uh, it was just so many good things in this. It was hilarious. <laughs> and there was, I love that they brought, they brought, they mentioned Queequeg. They mm-hmm. mentioned dog oh and she got a dog <laughs> she stole a dog she stole a dog which was fantastic <laughs> and Mulder and his phone i mean the, the whole episode there's so much good stuff oh, yeah. the phone god yeah, there was, was a fantastic episode so good um so with that one we move on to what followed it which was lucifer which is um this this show's just getting better this was great. I really enjoyed the episode. What did you think, uh, Eric? Well, I've only seen the first 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Um, I'm trying to catch, I've, I've caught up on everything but Lucifer. That was the last one I got to. And uh, we started recording. <laughs> so I had to, <laughs> I had to stop watching it. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting. We'll see where it goes, where this episode goes and where the whole show goes. This is actually a really good episode um, for where they have the the show set, which is in L.A. Mm-hmm. And um, we get a little bit more of Lucifer figuring out that he is changing and uh, how much he plays. And we also get a little bit more of Maz in this one. She get, I, they need to give her more to do, um, which I can't wait to see if they do the thing with her face, if we actually get to see that happen. Um, but it was a really great episode. It was a nice, um, I can never remember the guy's name, but he's a super good actor. Carl, did you watch this? I actually, Lucifer just doesn't appeal to me. So I, I, yeah, I've kind of taken a pass in the series. I can't, I, you know what? I mean, obviously uh, different people of the world have different beliefs, things like that. But I think we can all kind of universally agree that the devil was bad. So <laughs> I, I think yes, I agree with that. Good. Wow. <laughs> so like a, a show that's trying to, to paint him as like a, a protagonist or some sort of anti-hero. You know, it's just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It was me. a comic um, first. I'm sure I know it was a comic and that's, that's fine. A lot of things were a comic. There are a lot of comics out there and there's a lot of comics I don't read, but the show, I mean, just, uh, I'm taking a pass on this show. Well, I actually really enjoy it, and it actually doesn't make him out to be a hero at all. It it makes him out to be exactly what he is, which is he can't do anything completely good, which I really like that, because he, he shouldn't be a complete hero. They, there shouldn't be a redemption for him, because that's who he is. He He can't do anything that doesn't have at least a little bit of selfishness in it. Um, so he's, he is already human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's kind of the cool s- story here is that we are all in, you know, if you go by the Bible and if you go by what we're told, we are all born within, with, within sin. And, you know, we have to aspire to be not that way. And it's kind of a great story that his, his, 
who he is makes him more human and he's slowly changing and becoming even more human like in this and just more selfish as it goes along you know it's it's a really cool concept and the um the fact that everybody in LA seems to owe him a favor for some reason is hilarious well, well that's Los Angeles, LA. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, um, so in this episode, Jeremy Davies, who I, that's his name. I'm like, I finally remembered. Um, he played some great characters. You know, he's known for being in Lost. Um, he was also in Constantine. Um, of course, he played in Hannibal and he was fantastic in that. Um, but everybody knows him from Lost as Daniel Faraday. He was also a really good um, Charles Manson. But he plays the douchebag photographer in this, that um, paparazzi that uh has a history with the dung beetle yes the dung beetle he has a history with chloe and um he's just fantastic in this and uh, as he is in everything he's in but it's it's a really great episode and it's fun to watch lucifer um turn everything to his favor and and um and still not get it because he just can't he just inherit. He just can't. Um, and like I said, Tom Ellis is the reason the show is so good. I don't know of anybody else that could have pulled it off as well as this guy because he's per- he's the personification of it. You know he's bad. You know he's evil. But he's so damn charming. And that's that's how he should be because he's supposed to be seductive. So I really dig the show. I don't know how it's doing in ratings wise though. I mean, if you go by Fox, everything they have is a hit. <laughs> so who knows? But um I I really enjoy it. I think because I am pretty sure it is the lead, it's it's the one after the X Files, so it comes on yes. after. So it actually has a good lead in with that. And mm-hmm. and it's um hopefully they'll let it keep it. I mean, it's only gonna have it for six episodes, but hopefully that helps it. Um, so one of the shows that uh, Eric and I absolutely love came back, um, iZombie, and Fifty Shades of Grey Matters. I love their titles. They have <laughs> yes. some really awesome titles in this show. Um, I, I like this episode. It was heartbreaking to see some of the stuff that went down in it. Oh. Peyton, you idiot. She, I, I loved you, her reaction. I hope you had a condom. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I loved her reaction uh, that she felt so dirty. She said she had to take a silkwood shower. Yeah. Um, I, I thought she played that very well. Yeah, yeah, and, and I I really um, I was I was like about to jump through the screen if Major had actually killed the dog. If he killed the dog, I I because I thought for a minute I'm like. That was heartbreaking. You'd better not. Oh no, I, I never once thought he was. I, I I thought I thought for sure if he did that, I was just like, I'm done with this show and tossing <laughs> my television set. She left him on the bus. I know she did. That was the saddest part. And then and he was watching him as he drove away. And poor miner. Oh God, it was so sad. I thought well, two things went through my mind. One was that, and then before that, I'm like he'd better not try to like cut the chip out of the dog oh i was my ex- god i thought that's why he took them to the he took the dog to the vet he was going to have them remove the the track no, it was chip. actually just a groomer it was actually yeah. just a grooming appointment um but yeah i i was 
there were so many things. I go dark places in my head when it comes. I'm like, what's the worst thing they could do to the dog? Because that's what's going to happen. Bah! <laughs> Put him on the bus. Put him on the bus. So um, I did like, I loved the nod that they did to Veronica Mars. Oh, I, yeah. I always love it when they do that. They've had a couple of those. That one was super funny. But that though. was great. And the fact that they actually got Kristen Bell. Of course. I mean, once you did it over the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, and I love the relationship between Babineau and the, the FBI agent whose name I can't remember. Yeah. That, They're very dirty. They are. <laughs> I'd throw my coffee or I'd throw this in your lap if I wasn't going to use it later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, this episode was full of innuendo. I think they notched up the, the dirty a little bit more for this and one. It was Fifty Shades of Grey matter. Yep. I, I really loved it. I I love this season so far. It's going to be interesting now to see what um, Peyton does with this mm-hmm. newly found information. Because she's gonna have to act like she doesn't know, so she can keep using him to get information. Will she do that? Can her conscience let her do that? Because she's already got him immunity. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other show that I am really, really, really enjoying, and did that did something no one I think was expecting this early in the show, is Legends of Tomorrow. It didn't surprise me though. It well, it shouldn't have surprised me either, um, because it well the the characters themselves allow them to ha- come back because of their storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the episode, and I still Cap- Captain Cold is the shit. I love him so much. He's he a, is. He's such a bitch. I love it. Um, it was a great episode. Super, super, super good episode. Uh, the guy they got to play, young doc, you know, Professor Stein. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy Christ. And I to the, I will vow this. That guy needs to play Roddy McDowell in the biopic. Because I can see that. He is the spitting image of young Roddy McDowell. Um, but I love the episode. I, I, but yeah, they, they killed off Hawkman. Well, you know, he, he was in none of the early, uh, promotional material. Right. Um, so it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And they already had a, a big cast. It's, it's, it's a huge cast. And, um, the way their things are going, um, the, the rest of the season, you know, they're going to be hopping around and they're going to be introducing a ton of, of other DC characters. So, and, and we know for a fact that, um, Jonah Hex. Um, Jonah Hex is coming. And I think they, they've done some teasers of a couple other characters that are coming out too, like Red Tornado, um, I think is one, but it's a really early version of the character who was a woman. Cool. Yeah. So and with a time travel show, you know, they could always run into an earlier or a later incarnation of Hawkman. Oh, you know, they are going to. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's. I agree with you, Jess. I was kind of surprised that they killed off the main character this early, and at the same time, I agree with you, Eric, that we kind of, you know, he wasn't in a lot. He was in some of it, but not a lot of the promotional materials that are coming. I think the most exciting thing about the show is, like you guys mentioned, 
the possibilities of where it can go. Like they have this whole playground of obscure DC characters that they can work with, you know, and they're starting out with Jonah Hex who has been cast. Yep. It's a uh, uh, Jonathan Sage Skakeki Skakeki. Yeah, who most of us probably know from the movie that thing you do. He was the uh, the lead singer of the Wonders. The Oneaters. The Oneaters. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. A uh, little little pretty to be playing Jonah Hex, but I'm sure they'll give him the proper treatment with the makeup. What I'm excited about is what they announced recently that they're going to do because my all-time favorite book i don't qualify it as a comic or anything like that my all-time favorite book is the dark knight returns and we're getting you know as much as we're lamenting what we're seeing coming from batman v superman you know we seem to be with the exception of supergirl we seem to be universally agreed that everything on uh tv that is in the berlanti versus is quality <laughs> which makes me extra excited that we are going to get the uh, Dark Knight Returns version, if you will, of Green Arrow, Oliver Queen. Oh, yeah. Wonder. They said, yeah, they said he's going to be old, he's going to have the full goatee, and he's going to be missing an arm. Yep. Nice. Yep, and so. uh, the other thing I'm really stoked about, too, are who's directing some of these episodes coming up. Like, um, Joe Dante... Joe Dante is directing nice. one called Night of the Hawk. And I think his is the one that's set in the 50s. Um, I think. Then, so if it's set in the 50s, it's called Night of the Hawk. Blackhawk? Yes, we could see the Blackhawks. Nice. And uh, the other one that I'm really... there, um, The episode that's called The Magnificent Eight, I'm guessing, is going to be the Jonah Hex one. And that's being directed... I don't know who this guy is, but his name is fantastic. Thor Frodenthal. Guy's wow. name Thor. But the and last... Frodo. Yeah, I know. Frodenthal. Um, but the last episode of the season which is called Last Refuge, is going to be directed by Rachel Talalay, who directed two, like, four of the best episodes of the Capaldi run on Doctor Who. She's directed, she directed Tank Girl, and she's fantastic. And so she is the directing the last episode of the season, which I am excited. Yeah. This is, this is good, this is good stuff. I mean, I'm I'm so excited to see where they're going to go with it. At the same time, like, the cast is great. Like you said, Captain Cold is stealing every scene. <laughs> Wentworth Miller is just giving an amazing performance oh, as absolutely. that character. And, and, as, no, go ahead. And, I mean, Vandal Savage. Every time I see him, I just like, I want more. Give me yeah, more. Yeah, he's great. Was, he's perfect. Yeah, and I just... Like, you think about where they can go and what you want to see. Like, I'm sitting here and thinking, like, I would love to see The Question. Oh, oh my favorite DC oh character. Get Jeffrey and... Combs. Get Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> With Get time travel, you know, we mentioned the Blackhawks. We could have Legion. Yeah, Legion of Superheroes. They can go that to the future. Be... Way in the future. Oh. Oh, man, it, there's so much they could do with it. And the, the thing that I'm blown away by is the visuals. They are doing, like, the fight scenes aren't hokey. They're well, great. I have two tiny quibbles with this show so far. 
This uh, one, one, I'm Adam. <laughs> tiny. See. I was just about to see what I did there. Actually, tiny. Yeah, Adam. I'm I'm not enamored with the Adam. Uh, he's my least favorite character on here. Um, and you mentioned the fight scenes, and this is just me being nitpicky. Maybe you never, almost never see the cold gun or the heat gun actually hit anything. Well, because, I mean, you have to remember, it's network television. But in The Flash, and, Captain and, Cole froze people solid. Yeah, but The Flash didn't have four or five other superheroes are flying around in the scene either. I understand. But I, but I, get, but I get what shooting. he's saying at the same time. Yeah. No, oh, I you get see them shooting them. Off and screen. it never... Well, even in the big fight scene outside Vandal Savage's house... Um, you see them shooting and their beams, the heat beam, the cold beam, just sort of peter out before they hit anything. And you never see anybody frozen. You never, I can understand maybe not showing anyone on fire, <laughs> but why not? <laughs> um, so that's just, I'd like to see a little more people burning and freezing, I guess. I don't know. But like I said, very, very duly noted, duly noted your side but no, I, I get what you're saying. Also about like with the Adam, I I like what Brandon Routh is doing with the character, but at the same time he's still kind of too Iron Man-y. <laughs> well, he is and he isn't though. I think I think it's uh, I I wish they'd just give him more to do because he's such a good actor. I really like him. I like him as an actor, and I think if they gave him a little bit more meat that he could do more with this, with what, you know, if they, they give him some more stuff to do. I, I would actually like to see them detect the suit a little bit, you know, let him make his point on team being more his, his shrinking ability than and this, his brains. you know, battle. Yeah. yeah his brains and then this battle suit. Um, right. I, I, I would like, like to see that. I did like his scene with captain cold. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. That was no pun that was intended. <laughs> that so, was a- so okay, three characters I would like to see them do in this show, and you guys think of, think of, try and think of three too. The question, the specter, and possibly, not sure if it's a little too obscure. Wait, no. No, I I would just I would like to see a lantern. It doesn't have to be Hal Jordan. Do Alan Scott? Yeah, with they could, time they travel. Be, yeah, that's true. So who would like? You've got the whole realm of DC. I know at, mine off the bat. One of them that I want. I know All right, you I go want. ahead, Jessica. And it makes sense because of the time travel thing. I don't want the new one. I want the original, and I want Andrew Bennett from iVampire. I want him in the flesh, and I want to see him with the whole shebang. I want the red eyes. I want the hair. I want I want to have um, his him fighting against Mary, and I want I want the original. I don't want this Twilightified version that they did now with the new 52 um because <laughs> he's it's just a, it's something that they should have done he i want to see um another one would be man bat 
because I think that's a cool ass character, and they have yeah, the man, te- that's awesome. They have a te- the tech for it. And Give it a couple of weeks. I'm sure he'll show up in Gotham for some. Ugh, God, no, no. Don't even make me. I don't even want to think about Gotham right <laughs> oh, now. Oh, oh, you don't. You're having problems with Gotham, Jess? I, I no. Yeah, I'm Gotham having problems with what's going to happen on Gotham because for whatever. Mm, don't even know. We're talking about the <laughs> this right now. You so on Gotham. I you was so until they brought back the smelly fish. That, <laughs> and you know, oh, fish. Even, me. So terrible Michelle Nichols impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> but in, Andrew Bennett, uh, Man Bat, and um, I had another one. Hold on. Um, I really would like to see the question done by Jeffrey Combs. It would have to, it would have to be Combs, um, but I would like to see a really good, decent, decent version of Man Thing. Wrong. Or, I'm uh... sorry, Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. I'd like <laughs> to see a good. I'd like to see Swamp Thing back. Sorry, I'd like to see Swamp Thing back. Is Dick Dirk still alive? No, he's not. Oh. Well, we're all agreed on the question. The question has is, is my favorite DC character. I absolutely love that character. Um, as a matter of fact, he is my avatar here on Skype. Um, and then, you know, I might as well just throw in the greatest uh, buddy cop duo even though they're not cops blue beetle and booster gold uh, you know i've heard that um fillion wants to play that in real life he wants he i think him and tuddick want to do it yeah that would be that, that, that just that makes all this so much sense yeah and if they're not going to do it on if they're not going to have booster gold on supergirl and i don't know if they will or not but there's maxwell lord on supergirl so they could but it seems like since Booster Gold's from the future, and this is a time travel show, again, it, it fits. Yeah, it, it would make sense for him to show up there. And uh, although he was on Smallville. Yeah. I didn't like the version of him on Smallville. I'd like to see him a little well, closer I mean, to what he is. Smallville, you just had to accept as its own thing. And yeah. Not try to make a... <laughs> although, but... although, jumping back to Supergirl... There's a lot of talk I, about I, Tom Welling playing mm-hmm. Superman. I would Supergirl. be good with that, actually. I would. Yeah, I have that. no problem with that. I think that would be fantastic, because you know what? They they cheaped out so badly on the payoff in the finale of Smallville. Oh yeah, because you never got to actually see him in the suit. Yeah, you didn't. Like you saw him open the shirt, and there was the, the them, S, yeah. and then that was it. So. <laughs> So yeah, very excited about where Legends of Tomorrow is going to go. And and, le- and let me be clear with the Swamp Thing thing that I was talking about. Um, and the reason I said Man Thing is because I just wrote an article about Mar- uh, Marvel's horror stuff. So Man Thing was on my brain. But Swamp Thing, I would love to see them go with the dark Alan Moore-esque storylines <laughs> with like Arcane being covered in bugs and rotting oh, yeah. and stuff. Was- I-, I want that. Well, <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're going to do... A swamp thing. You've got to do Al Moore Swamp Thing. As much as it pains me to say it, because Al Moore is an incredible uh, word I can't say on the D- show. D-word. He's a D-word. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
but know, the man can write Swamp Thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, never is such talent been given to such a jerk. <laughs> well, I wanted to um, go over some Weekend Geek stuff before we bring on our special guest and talk about what's so special about this whole month. Um, I wanted to talk about really quickly, there is a trailer that we have on fangirlmag.com uh, right now that um, I'm wondering if this is the way movies are going, which is first person. Have you have you noticed this is becoming this is slowly becoming a kind of a, a thing now um, with the, the first time I really saw it was with the Maniac remake with Elijah Wood, which if you right. haven't seen is amazing. It's really, 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 really good um and really really disturbing in how you are seeing everything through the killer's eyes um and then when he looks in a mirror you see your face and ah uh but they are doing another one called hardcore with charlotte copley in it and it's an action film where it's all first person and you're running around um shooting people well this is a zombie outbreak one called pandemic and it's got a, an actual cast of people that are named actors like Mecky Pfeiffer, Paul Gulfoyle, who you'll know from CSI, um, Missy Piles in it. And the trailer looks great. It actually looks like something that would be fun to go see. I don't know how viable uh, the format is for anything else other than maybe action or horror films, but check it out and see what you think. Um, it's It's kind of neat and i didn't expect it um the other thing is in casting news and i know there's a lot of power rangers fans out there i'm not one of them but <laughs> there are there's a thing with this power rangers um i don't know why i just never got on the, the bandwagon but they have cast a rita repulsa in uh in the uh, new movie that they're making and it's elizabeth banks and yeah, i just heard that, that that works. That fits. I, I, here's the reason why I watched Power Rangers when I was younger, because I'm definitely older than what their target audience was. I think a lot of the people that I, yeah. <laughs> I, I watched it. I watched it because it was on after school before Batman, the animated series. Is <laughs> <laughs> your before or after Batman, the animated series. So I was just like, eh, you know, it's here might as well i'm not i'm not like huge like oh my god power rangers i'm like eh, all right if the movie looks interesting i'll probably give it a shot <laughs> well but, I, I it's there's a rabid rabid following oh yeah they just uh still i think i think it's dynamite uh just started a new comic series and the first issue sold incredible numbers much more than they were expecting crazy i i just know i always got pissed at it because i always said they're just ripping off voltron i don't understand <laughs> i saw this it was better with the lions um the other thing that just was announced today which is i just find this awesome um because i've just been arguing with some people about the fact that richard uh dean anderson doesn't look like the spelt creature that he was in MacGyver, but they're actually talking about doing a MacGyver reboot for TV. Well, yeah, television has gone the way of movies and that, you know, why would we think of something new when we can just reboot something that has an, an already installed fan base? Well, and what's cool about this though, it's going to be pretty high end production 
because they've got um, James Wan is going to direct the pilot guy that did Furious 7 and you know he's just amazing director um, but they're also um, getting Henry Winkler back to produce the show which is he was one of the original producers on the original series which I did not know that now if if MacGyver comes back Every time he gets in a scrape, doesn't he just pull out his cell phone and, and he has an app? <laughs> I would love for it to be set in the eighties. I wish they'd set it in like the eighties. Oh. That would have been that would be great. Um, and really quickly, the uh, the other thing was I'm curious to see what you guys think because I'm sure you saw them. They released a bunch of stills from the new Ghostbusters film. What do you guys think? I have not looked at them. I'm indifferent. And I'm not indifferent because it's an all-female cast or anything like that. It's just like I was good with the two movies. I didn't even if it was even if it was the original cast that they were able to get back and put them in their original roles. I would still kind of be indifferent to it. And the cast is, I think, is fantastic. It is like a comedic powerhouse cast going on there. Um, I think casting Chris Helmsworth in the, the Annie Potts-ish role is really clever. Um, I will probably go see it when it comes out, but until I see a trailer or something to get me like legitimately excited, I'm not really like freaking out over some stills. Well, I think that you're probably going to get a trailer pretty soon, I'm guessing. You know, the best one that they could tag this onto would be Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when uh, I don't think there's really been any solid announcements of what trailers we're going to get during the Super Bowl. No, that right. was kind of like a big trailer. I, I think. think I, I mean, I think we'll definitely get a Superman v Batman, a Captain America Civil War. Uh, but beyond that, I'm not sure. That's usually kind of like the launching point for a lot of the big summer films. They'll kind of I run their first trailer in Super Bowl. the past few years. No, they have been. It, it I mean, seems we've to gotten... me the past few years, we haven't gotten any new big trailers. It's all been stuff that we've seen before. That's the impression I've gotten the past couple of years. They've, during not, the they've kind of been just stuff that we've already seen, but longer versions of it, really. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, really I, I I find it amusing, though, that the gal, the one gal looks exactly like the cartoon Egon. I mean, down to the glasses. It's kind of ridiculous. Okay, so we are going to bring on our special guest. And if you remember Jessica McHugh, she was um, part of, she was on one show recently, um, a couple weeks ago, and the power (laughs) went out at her house. And it was snowing. So uh, we are bringing her back on, and thankfully she didn't freeze to death. Um, So we're bringing her on right now. And well, hopefully the power here doesn't hello. go out. Hello, there she is. And the power's not going to go out on us, hopefully. I How's hope the weather not. out there? <laughs> Do you still have snow where you're at? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I'm it's jealous. pretty it, It's pretty uh, watery out, but, you know, there's a lot of flooding going on. But there's still some, uh, some big stacks of snow. Oh, man. Well, everybody, Jessica's back with us. Yay. We're Yay. very happy to have her back. And... Uh, <laughs> The reason we're having her on is because it is a very special month. It is Women in Horror Month, as in 
Yes, every February. <laughs> We will do the Women in Horror Month until we no longer need it. That's my philosophy. And uh, it's a great reminder for everyone that women aren't just the, the quote unquote scream queens. Um, there are writers, there are artists, there are directors, you name it. There, there are females out there working in the industry and in this genre that's typically male dominated, which is most of Hollywood. Um, but uh, Jessica is in a fantastic writer. And and uh, has a great first name. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask you because um, we did get to actually talk to you a little bit about your writing and and how you um you you got started in the industry. Mm -hmm. But I I wanted to ask you as part of the Women in Horror Celebration, what what does this month mean to you as a writer and a horror writer in the in the industry? Um, I mean, for me, it was crazy how long I went without even thinking about that, you know, women in horror was a thing we needed, you know, because I, I grew up, you know, reading men and not really seeing what the issue was with that. And then, you know, once people were like, hey, take a look at what you're reading. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is horrible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's great. There are, there are wonderful male horror writers. Don't get me wrong. Um, but like, it really woke me up to, oh my gosh, that I was one of those people that before I really started writing a lot of horror, um, that, that I was one of those people that was reading mostly male horror writers and not appreciating the, the Shirley Jacksons. And, um, well, I, re I read a lot of Mary Higgins Clark. I don't know if she counts. <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh, one way. <laughs> one of the first books I read had a, a guy dancing with a, a frozen corpse. So that's pretty horrifying to me for Mary Higgins Clark. But, <laughs> but it, so it means so much to me now in that I was one of those people who needed their eyes opened. And uh, now, I'm, it, now it just seems crazy. How could I live in the dark for so long? Because there are so many amazingly talented female horror writers out there that just give this genre I don't know like a different spin I mean we all we all do different things but well I think it's interesting to me um and 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 guys if you have any questions or comments feel free to don't let the women dominate yeah as we were want to do <laughs> but but isn't that kind of the point of the month though yeah, <laughs> it is kind of true kind it's of true. more to make it you know to blend it equally i think so you know making more of awareness of how many female horror writers there are actually out there working well i think the one that i i find one of the most important not only i mean always going to go with ann rice you know oh sure sure but one that i think a lot of people don't realize had such a big impact because um, I think she actually predated Charlene Harris was Laurel K. Hamilton. Oh, uh huh. Mm -hmm. um, because Laurel K. Hamilton, not only did she set her stuff in St. Louis, which is like, I know where this is. I know where that <laughs> place is. You know, when I started reading it in high school, because I, I started young, but um, she, uh, she created this whole ups, upsurge in urban fantasy. That's true. And um, you wouldn't even, if it wasn't for her, Jim Butcher uh, himself, I think, admits this, that he wouldn't have, you wouldn't have the Harry Dresden series because mm -hmm. she took it upon herself to introduce Jim um, Butcher to her agent. 
and uh-huh. so I and Laurel K. Hamilton to me, and I, even though I stopped reading the books after they kind of went the whole, this is just pure porn. I'm I kind of for it here, but the the whole the before Narciss, I think it was Narcissus and Chains, and then I came back and it gotten better. But I'm like, dude, we need more than just you know, yeah, have, yeah, we need more meat and not that kind. <laughs> you know, but, but um, the stuff uh, that she started with and did and had this strong female character mm-hmm. in the books was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, there's no way I could, I don't think I ever would have started, or at least, I don't know, I'm not sure I would have started writing as as much horror as I did if I hadn't been reading uh, Anne Rice as I got older. And uh, those Mayfair Witches Chronicles on my toast and jam. <laughs> And there, oh, those are some thick ass books. She made, yeah. she writes bricks. I mean, and and they're good, which is which is amazing. But you know, and and the other thing, like we had been talking about, um, uh, and I just recently interviewed her for uh, a new a new um new magazine that's coming out called Screams Quarterly. Uh, is Rachel, you know, not just writers but directors in the industry too, like Rachel Talalay, who was the um, the director of Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare. Oh, okay. And you've there's a lot out there, and I think it's it's really fantastic to to remind people of those facts. Um, but I wanted I wanted to give you a chance to talk about what you're currently working on and um, where people can find your stuff. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Cuz you you're like writing a lot. You you're pretty prolific. Yeah. I I am working on a a lot of things. Um I am currently working on the sequel to Rabbits in the Garden, which is my best-selling book from Postmortem Press. Yay. Uh Rabbits in the Garden is actually being re-released in a 5th anniversary hardcover edition with illustrations and uh, new content, and oh my gosh, so much cool stuff. I saw some of the illustrations. Horrifying. <laughs> Horrifying. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're, they're so scary. And um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I, I wrote the sequel to that during NaNoWriMo this past year, so now I'm, <laughs> I'm still in the process of transferring it from handwritten. Oh my on- god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it ended up being over 100k, so it's it's been a... <clears throat> a task. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, my my hand would fall off. I used to try to do the the handwritten thing, and I I can't I can't do it anymore. It just... I, I tell you, my hand doesn't hurt when I do it that much. If I write like ten thousand words in a day, yeah, it's going to be aching. But I it really doesn't hurt that much. But I tried one of those adult coloring books the other day. That hurt. <laughs> do it. I could not do it. They're too tiny. They're too. They're, the pictures are too intricate. Just, yeah, I, this, I, this is not relaxing. <laughs> yeah, my 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 wife got one of those, and I just looked at it. I was like, "Nope, nope." Sorry, it's incredibly I, stressful for me. <laughs> for something that's supposed to be relaxing, this is driving me insane. Well, especially yeah, it's like, you, uh, like, I'm gonna go write a novel. If you're especially if you like have any kind of slight ADD at all, you're going to drive yourself batshit. Yeah, you really yeah. are. <laughs> I felt like it took me forever to do like a quarter of a picture. My husband's over there. Like it's magic. He just has to like lightly touch the page and it blooms with color. I'm over <laughs> here like, I'm like using my whole body. to get it. <laughs> so Jess, I'm kind of yeah. going to ruin your world right now. 
Um, they had uh, just uh, just a, I guess we'll say, uh, <laughs> Dwyer. Just, just call um, me Dwyer. <laughs> yeah, they have uh, Doctor Who and Deadpool adult coloring books. I have, have seen a Deadpool them. one? Yep. I, I just basically... ordered the Deadpool coloring book. It's it's basically just Deadpool comics, and you get to color them in. So you got to get a lot of red crayons. Yep. Or red. I so I just ordered the Deadpool and an H.P. Lovecraft coloring book. I bet that H.P. Lovecraft one's crazy. Oh, it you you will sweet. go insane. You will go insane. <laughs> well, they're not. They're more like traditional coloring books. They're not like the crazy, super detailed ones. Mm-hmm. And like uh, Carl said, the Deadpool. It's basically panels from the comics oh, cool. stripped of color. All right. Well, I, cool. the uh, I think it's I think it's DC is doing this. Um, I noticed. Pretty sure it's DC because I was at the comic book shop the other day and they had non-colored covers, so you can color the color color the covers yourself. That is just too much work. Why? <laughs> I don't understand. It's like. <laughs> But I guess that's... now that I think of it, I mean, people will give me blank books and be like, write a novel. So <laughs> it's true. It's true. It to me, still, my favorite little story. My favorite cover gimmick was Superman had a color forms cover. Oh, cool. And he remembers color forms. Are yep. you serious? When did that happen? Oh, uh, what, the 90s? You know, back when they had all the gimmick covers, they had the hologram covers, and yeah. you'd have thirteen variations Shrinky of covers. Covers. They actually did. Like they had color, a, color, basically color. a color forms cover, and the cover was just like the Metropolis skyline or whatever. And you had maybe a dozen little things that you could put on it and peel off of it and change it around, and it was awesome. That's flipping fantastic. We're getting a little uh, off track. We here. are. Oh my god. <laughs> So I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring this back because I have a question for Jessica M. Um, I'm a fan of uh, bizarro fiction, yes, and so when you wrote the Green Kangaroos, what I see it's labeled bizarro. Was it your plan to write something in the bizarro genre, or did um, it just turn out that way? It it definitely it was my plan. Um, I definitely I wanted to. I'm not sure if it's how it turned out. I don't know. I, I there's so much uh, controversy between you know what what is bizarro, mm-hmm. and um, so I I like to think it is, but I'm so bad at actually nailing down what genre a lot of my books are anyway, because I don't I don't typically try to to write a genre. It's kind of floating there in the background, but I'm mm-hmm. usually just following wherever the characters and story take me, and then the publisher's like, okay this is young adult or this is horror. And I'm like, really? I thought it was a romance. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've never written a romance. (laughs) Maybe someday. Well, let's be honest. Many romances do just evolve into horror stories. Really? Yeah. This is true. (laughs) This is true. Well, Jessica, I I think we're getting ready. We're almost out of time, but I wanted to give you a chance to pimp wherever people can find your stuff. Yes, absolutely. Um, Basically, if you Google Jessica McHugh, you will find me. Um, my internet footprint is not small. Um, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash author dot Jessica McHugh. I post on there 
probably more often than people want me to. Um, I'm also at jessicamchughbooks.com. You can find um, a, a lot of my books at Postmortem Press, uh, Perpetual Motion Machine Publishing. I have a novel coming out um, from them in a couple months that's erotic horror called uh, The Train Derails in Boston, which is going to be quite interesting to see how that turns out. Um, <laughs> I also and you can find those books, The Darla Decker Diaries, at Evolved Publishing. <laughs> I'm all over the place. <laughs> I think that's awesome. And someday she's going to have the most epic crossover ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. It's, it's a mad, mad, mad writing life, and I love it. That's great. Well, everybody, thank you so much. Thank you, Jessica, for joining us. And thank you, Eric and Carl, for coming back with us here. And uh, it is Women in Horror Month. And what I always say, like I said, we need it until we don't need it anymore. Till people realize that there are a number of women in the horror industry. So and, many. And the entertainment industry in general, too. Um, it's really important to realize, you know, and uh, the one thing I always want people to take from this is even if you don't work in the industry and you're just a fan of horror and you're a girl and you if you feel like you don't know anybody else that uh gets that that where you are you know the internet is here now it is here and you can find people like me and people like Jess people like Carl and Eric who get it and you are not alone you are not alone <laughs> i am here with you sorry there you go there you go it's true it's true and take this month as an opportunity to create something if you if you're a writer and you write your own stories and you never share them share one of them put it out there and if you're an artist or what have you just create take that as that's how you can celebrate it and put it out there and share it with everybody else because i can almost guarantee you somebody will love it Oh, that the world is it, the world is too big for someone not to love it. Yeah. Oh. So there you go. And if they don't love it, we'll find them. We'll find them and set, <laughs> and set them on fire. <laughs> because Eric apparently likes watching people burst into flame. Who doesn't? And freeze. And freeze. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not that picky. Jessica missed that conversation of where Eric was complaining that Legends of Tomorrow, there's not enough people freezing and or bursting into flame. In general, there's just not. There's just not. It it needs to happen more. Spontaneous combustion is so underrated. But well, guys, thank you so much. Thank you again, Jessica, and we will have you back on for sure. You're a blast, and we will um, put some links up to her sites as well, so you can find her. Even though she says she's easy to find, we'll help you out. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Yay! And uh, don't freeze with all the stuff. <laughs> Please don't. All right, guys, we will see you next week on Fangirl Radio. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.